Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to episode 23 of The Front Free. My name is Adam Boltwood. Joining me as always is Lawrence McKenna. How you doing? I'm doing very well. And Good. We've also got the, uh, the stat man himself, Dave O'Brien. Good evening, gentlemen. Good oh, evening to you, Dave. How, how are you guys? Doing well? Yeah, doing very well. Enjoying that the Champions League is back. I mean, it's a different level of football, doesn't it? A different, it looks more HD. Yes. That's well, a, you can get ultra my... HD on BT, can't you now? So, you know, it's going to be the next level of TV. What oh, is know that, actually. What's okay. ultra HD? I think it's just got more pixels on the screen. That's it. It's, it's a bit of a it's, it's a bit ultra. of a gimmick, but, you know, BT is selling no. it. No, 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 unless it's under a certain number of floodlights um, and no. lit in a certain way and therefore is able to be broadcast in HD. On that bombshell. Let's move <laughs> on with episode 23. I think that's that, it. Just my mind is... I think I'm, maybe I'm a media geek in that sense. I'm like, oh, that's amazing. Like, that is, but um, that's actually quite interesting, isn't it? That you that it, it, it has to be... A, everything within UEFA has to be a certain level in order to be HD. It's... it's, it's <laughs> <laughs> it's mildly interesting, to be honest. It's, it's mildly interesting. It's like a little, you know, pub quiz factoid, maybe. Exactly. So that, yeah, that's okay. helped. One day you, you would say, oh, thanks, Lawrence. Now I know it's not, this isn't HD because I'm, <laughs> it's not got the right floodlights. There you go. I'll, I'll be forever grateful. Anyway, episode 23, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening. A comment of the week this week. I've just picked one out from Twitter here from Isabel, at Isabel Offside Lawrence, who says, has anyone ever told Loscast that he looks like Killy from The Hobbit? <laughs> Yeah. I just saw that. I, I loved like this and I was gutted. Yeah, I, I feel it's a bit harsh to be honest, Polly. You're much better looking than that. Wow. Adam, are you trying to say that's sort of unfair to him? <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm just shocked that you've okay. uh, you, you feel so offended by the comparison. Well, okay. I guess it's just more the, the long hair and the... the uh, yeah, there's, this isn't going anywhere. Let's just uh, move on, Sorry. shall we? Um, <laughs> great, great comment. Thanks a lot, Isabel. I don't, maybe she likes Killy from The Hobbit. I don't. No one has ever told uh, Lawrence that, apparently, but he's, uh, he's, he's offended by it. Um, Otherwise, I'd be really upset. I've got to give uh, a shout-out as well to my dad, 
No, no, wait, you got to give it before you give a shout out to your dad. Mm. You genuinely have to give a shout out to everyone who's tweeted. This oh yeah, week. a lot of and people, then, yeah. unbelievably, have been changing their Twitter bios, Twitter descriptions <laughs> to "I am the whole." They've been tweeting us, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> hashtagging been "I am the whole." Just over, I'm literally overwhelmed by how many people did that. <laughs> so, like, you know, a, a little bit of a joke. A few it's people. Less the achievement of, it's less the achievement of people doing it. It's more that there are people out there that I imagine don't listen to the podcast reading hashtag I am the whole. Just be like, what? Sort of porn reference. <laughs> uh, my favourites were um, a few people who uh, changed their description to I am the hold, which was Good. interesting, H O L D. And also Wait, one particular person who said, I am the whole. W H O L E. That was uh, interesting. Yeah. Right? But also, my own dad. My dad texts me midway through the week. He's like, uh, "Adam, I am the whole." <laughs> I was like, it took me a few seconds. I was like, "What? What's going on?" All right, all right. He's, he's listening to the podcast. That's good. Did he That's say, good. "I am the whole" or "I am in the hole"? The exact text was. <laughs> he said, "I am." Oh, he said, "I am now in the hole." <laughs> I love your dad. It's almost like, yeah, he's in danger. He's trapped or something. And he's just like, how do I want to hold somewhere, please? <laughs> I just assumed he was listening to the podcast. I think that's a, a better way to think about it. But anyway, enough of this. I am the whole uh, malarkey. If you want to do, if you do want to change your Twitter description, that feel free. I mean, we'll have your, uh, we'll be eternally grateful. Um, but it doesn't promote us in any way because no one knows what it means. <laughs> that's why they will know, Lawrence. That's, that's the thing. They great. will get it. Um, anyway, listen, on with episode 23. The big news is Champions League. The Champions League's been kicking off. Lawrence, Arsenal have lost again. They've lost to Dynamo Zagreb, who I think have been without 16, 16 games without a win in the Champions League group stages. They come up against Arsenal tonight at home. <laughs> they win 2-1. I mean, all you need to do is play Arsenal, apparently. Um, Arsenal did go down to ten men, but then they were they were already down at that point. Was they? was that a deserved red card for Olivier Giroud? He has been getting an absolute hammering it was, on Twitter. At the moment. It was silly, I'll admit that. Um, and it looked again like I d- you know when someone sort of really wants to. Imp- I, he doesn't look like he's really trying, but it, it, it looks like someone wants to impress, and then they go too far the opposite way. <laughs> That's the case with Olivier Giroud, um, and he's uh, his passion is in the game. I feel incredibly sorry for him that he doesn't get, you know, sort of uh, more more people saying, "Oh, you know, I think he's all right." Because actually, quite, I, I think he's a good option for Arsenal along with uh, with Walcott. And I guess the one thing that could be levelled at him and Arsenal right now is they're creating a lot of chances. They're just not putting them away. And for that reason, the logic tends to go in football. If you create chances, you'll end up putting them away. So keep going down that same same path. But uh, it also brings up the idea that maybe you've not got the right strike. Exactly. So uh, a lot of fans were, I don't want to say furious, but they were sort of, you know, they were annoyed that Walcott was overlooked to start, potentially. Put them in um, a hard place when he was sent off. Yeah, of course. He did, yeah. It was a, the, the, the second yellow card was a bit of a strange one. It, it, was, it was a bit silly. It was late. But, you know, you, sometimes you'll get away with those being already yellow carded. I feel a little bit sorry for him as well. He hit the post um, this evening. And he is going to take a lot of criticism from Arsenal fans. I just think that Arsenal need to start with Theo Walcott and then introduce Olivier Giroud. So you start with your quick lad, you try and play him through. And if that's not working, bring on, as well as keeping Walcott on, bring on Olivier Giroud, bring a physical presence, what is one-touch finishing, and then Arsenal have more of a blend of a decent style. But today, they were awful. For the second goal, the marking on that was just pathetic. Koscielny got absolutely done in, in the penalty area. And it's just not good enough for Arsenal, really. He's had a poor start, as have Man United have. So yeah, we're talking about Giroud and he is the one sort of being singled out on uh, Twitter and social media by Arsenal fans who are 
furious, but it is at the back. I mean, uh, Debushi had a poor game as well. He was sort of exposed, but a lot of people now questioning. It is always like this when Arsenal lose a game. Everyone sort of loses their minds and everyone's questioning Arsenal Wenger again. It's Wenger mm, yeah, out. But you, you, yeah, you should put it in um, in relative context as well. I mean, I did a Champions League preview and immediately after you do the preview, you realise all the things you should have said in the preview. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and, of course, yeah. Uh, one of them would be that Dynamo Zagreb, have, haven't they been on some incredible unbeaten run? Uh, it is literally the first... Right, get this for a stat, right? It is the first Champions League game they've won since September 1999 yes <laughs> that is a while yes but I, don't I know you know that's uh, uh, you can say that I can't they they won against they won a derby with Lokomo Zagreb which is a derby obviously um, and have now not lost in 41 games so as much oh. as you're saying that they're not won in the Champions exactly. League use... they are on they are on somewhat of a and this would be weird an Arsenal Invincibles run <laughs> in many ways yes but like you know Wenger out is literally as we speak it is the second top trending topic <laughs> on Twitter doesn't, like doesn't I say it's always people like people want Wenger out though does it Adam some people will be ironically tweeting that some people will be of course you know, yeah, yeah yeah but I mean you know it still is indicative of it, it doesn't come from nowhere do you know what I mean it comes from Every time Arsenal lose, Arsenal fans, they do overreact slightly. I mean, that is a massive generalisation. But there is this sort of feeling of Groundhog Day with Arsenal. It's always the same every single year. They'll lose their opening Champions League match. You know, They'll finish second in the group, knocked out in the round of 16. They'll finish in the top four. It's always the same. And for Arsenal fans, that frustration that is obviously spilling out every time they lose is that sense of nothing ever changes. And that stems from the manager who seems to have a sort of... A, total control of the club in many ways he sort of is reported to have sort of have a, a grip on every single aspect from transfer policy to train to everything so it's just this this frustration with nothing ever changes at Arsenal yeah I see what you mean but at the same time I think it's also people trying to draw parallel parallels with things where they maybe aren't necessarily parallel it uh, you know there's frustration with Wenger there's frustration with a lot of people but also we realize that Arsenal have somewhat got this achievement of being in this position how do they build from there they've been consistently getting very very close but it's what you do when you get very close right exactly so it is you know i mean we i feel like we've talked about this a lot but arsene wenger is he not he has to take a he has to take blame for arsenal not progressing to that next level you know obviously when the the emirates stadium was being built and you know being paid back for all those years they were restricted somewhat in the transfer market and perhaps couldn't move on to that next level. But now is the time where everyone's like, you can, okay, Arsenal can go out and spend big or, you know. Yeah, but it, but it is normalised at some point, Adam, that people say, um, yeah, well, A, we should say net spend. But B, people should also <laughs> be, be realising that it's been normalised to spend a ridiculous amount of money. Mm. And just it, back a couple of years ago, people were talking about, I mean, you know, we're, we're talking about the next Thierry Henry here. Thierry Henry was a fucking bargain from uh from league uh, yeah no of course things have now, changed but the 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 bargain that we're getting is 38 million for the next year <laughs> and it's not the same but arsenal have tried to be somewhat uh frugal in that time and they relied on maybe people becoming fairer and sort of saying oh well you know we'll have to spend less because of financial fair play and then none of those people were pegged back because UEFA just went yeah about that that's not really um 
well, we just happen anymore. Messed. Yeah, we're not really going down that route. And I was like, wait a minute, we, but we've been responsible. They went, yeah, yeah, well done on that. But we're not going to make everyone else go down that route. So, you know, you just keep doing that, but we're going <laughs> to keep spending shit tons of money. To be fair to Arsenal, Dave, they weren't the only English team to, uh, to lose in the Champions League this week. We also had Manchester City last night using to the Juventus, uh, contriving to throw away a one-goal lead to lose at home. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one. That Obviously, Juventus have started very, very poorly in, in Serie A this season, not picked up a win in the three games so far. And there's a bit of you know calls for concern over there, obviously losing Carlos Tevez, Pirlo. It's going to take a bit of time for these players to bed in, but I think Juventus really you know took their chances last night. I think they had three shots on target and they scored, obviously, two goals from that Mandzukic with a brilliant, after Pirlo's, uh, Pirlo, sorry, Pogba's brilliant pass and then the brilliant individual goal for Murata. But it, it seems interesting that tactically in, in the, the sort of Champions League, the top division, should we say, of European football, that these English sides are really coming unstuck in a way where they're not really, tactically, they're just not really good enough. You know, they're, they're not, there's no style really there. There's no, not an English style in a way where, you know, you think of an Italian style where they're very defensive, they're very organised, they're Spanish style, keep possession of the ball, they score lots of goals. German style, a very functional style. You know, again, we don't have any identities as, as, a, as a country and, I think we're causing ourselves our own problem with this market that we've created and then these, uh, you know, the likes of Man City who can blow the transfer market away, but then they can't apply a style to these players. I think it's it's a big thing and it's just a shame for the English clubs. Obviously, Manchester United were pretty awful away at PSV and Iron, but probably we shouldn't really talk about that. What do you reckon, Lawrence? Oh, no, I think, yeah, I think we should talk about it a lot. <laughs> no, we, we'll talk I, about, actually, we'll talk about Saturday, because that was a brilliant day for me. No, no, no. I really enjoyed myself on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. I had a cracking day. Well, uh, yeah. More recently, Dave, what uh, what happened last night? With, uh, oh, well, with I went on a bit of a rant on my, my YouTube channel last night for about mm, seven minutes of constant just throwing things out in the air. Uh, I think the big problem that Man United have this season is that the system is all wrong going forward. Mm, um, yeah. We're too congested. I think we've got too many attacking players in central zones. You look at the two inside forwards coming inside. You've got an attacker midfielder in there. Then you've got a striker that's coming towards the ball. It, it creates a lot, of, um, a lot of players in a small zone. Similar to the problem that Chelsea are having this season is that basically you look at the edge of the penalty area, both sides of the edge of the penalty area. You push that up the pitch and that's where the wide players and the attacking players are playing within that zone. They need to spread the play. I think Man United really need to switch to a, a sort of a 4-3-3 or a 4-1-4-1 um, I alluded on my channel last night that the 4-2-3-1 is a dying formation in European football. You see Dortmund failing mm. with that last season. Chelsea have failed with, that, with it this season as well. And Manchester United are struggling in that system, both uh, attacking, which I mentioned before. Defensively, we're getting caught out a lot. Um, we're lacking a, a sole holder. Last season, I got very, very, very happy with uh, Martial starting up front with, with one matter in behind. But then you look at the midfield balance and you, you look, you've got Herrera in there with Bastian Schweinsteiger. These are both uh, sort of more attacking midfielders, you'd say, or attacking central midfielders with no balance in there. And, and we really got caught out on the counter-attack. I think Morgan Schneidlin would have done a perfect job sitting behind those two, push one matter outright, and we probably would have won the game. But it's, it's big issues for Louis van Alice. Football's getting very tedious and it's just not, you know, he's, he's, we're just not performing at the moment, I think. Mm, there's a lot of parallels, aren't there? Um, by the way, Dave, you're one of those people uh, that Jose Mourinho describes as a new industry in his press conference tonight. He said there's a new industry in the punditry industry. They have to get paid for their big opinions. <laughs> that's Dave you talking about, is it? Yeah, that's the day. Yeah, he said, they said, what do you think of Dave from Squawker? He went, well, there's a new industry here. Mm. Yeah. He's a bloody muppet, isn't he, that lad? Uh, he said, I'm a fantastic manager when I win and I'm a fantastic manager when I lose matches. You think <laughs> in a different way. 
He does make a good point. I mean, we are, I mean, Ad, I mean, Adam, you were you led the show with that tonight, and you mm. know, it's worth making that point that when you're looking at these, when we were looking at these Champions League previews, it was very difficult to work out which way they were going to go because a, you know, you were saying, well, you know, is Zagreb's unbeaten in what 41 games now? But what does that mean in the context of the Champions League? Mm. And I, I think I said this on another show: is there's a lot of people who are just kind of it's very difficult early on to judge a lot of these sides because yeah. we it's not that we don't know a lot about them it's that no one really knows what their form is like because a lot of people are only just starting off their season i think i think that's a brilliant point that it's you know you look at barcelona last season they were in crisis at christmas absolute crisis you know um luis enrique was out messi had fallen out with him neymar looked like he'd fallen out with him but then at the end of the season they just came together and it's probably a little mm. bit reflective on their performance tonight you know they had a lot of chances, but they didn't take them. And obviously, you got the draw with Roma. But it's, it's that thing that the team that wins the Champions League isn't going to start flying, isn't going to start firing now because that just won't happen. You know, they'll come out of form if they're start if they're scoring too many goals now. The form will change, and I think that's a big, big thing that it's just the start. And it's a great, it's great fun. You know, a lot of goals have gone in. Mm. There's been some brilliant goals. Ferenzi from Roma. You know, Thomas Muller scored Woof. a cross. The Hulk pretty much Woof. broke the goal with a strike, and it's it's just wonderful to see. Yeah, what do we make of um, Chelsea then, briefly? Because we, we, you mentioned Mourinho there, Lawrence. They won four uh, nil against Tel Aviv. That was almost expected in a way. Um, yeah, um, it, to some extent it was. I mean, a lot of people are very worried that Tel Aviv, who are being described as one of the best Israeli side, if not the best best uh, uh, Israeli league side that has ever been produced, um, would, would not do better against Chelsea. Um, uh, but a lot of people would say that there is a truism there. That they have players that they know will get into positions that will then get them scoring. And there there seems to be a natural synergy between some of those players, uh, especially in the Champions League. Um, Diego Costa's movement tonight, I thought, was... At times it looked a little bit stilted. It looked if he didn't quite have the understanding with the wingers that maybe a, a striker who had played for a couple of weeks consistently would have had. Um, and I think that that will be... Again, there's a new, another truism in football that basically... You know, if he gets into those positions and he continues to do that, then he will score goals. And it's the same as Arsenal creating their chances. There are certain things which Mourinho and the rest of the guys want to do. And at least the good thing is we can see that there are patterns of play which are getting them into good positions. Um, the, 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 the worrying thing would be if they allowed that to go on throughout the season and they didn't fix things. And very often that's not really the case, is it? It's certainly, uh, Dave, as we're saying, it's not as if all of their problems are all of a sudden healed by beating Tel Aviv, who they probably expected to win. But going into Saturday's game now, Chelsea versus Arsenal, how do you see that game going? Do you think Chelsea can now go into that with confidence that they can sort of bounce back from their poor start to the season? Yeah, well, I think a lot of Chelsea's problems at the moment is their midfield. You know, Fabregas misfiring, Hazard misfiring, and the structure just being a bit poor. But, you know, this... Tonight, it looked like Fabregas is back in the game. 109 passes he completed, 48 more than any other player on the pitch. Hazard missed a penalty, but you know, looked like he had a very, very good game. Loftus-Cheek Loftus came in and did very well. So I think for Chelsea, it's, it's sort of like the wounded beast at the moment is, is most dangerous. It's really interesting. At the start of the week we came in, we were thinking Chelsea have absolutely blown it. You know, massively behind Man City in the league. Um, you know, they're struggling. And then what we see now, the three teams that we've we've all been raving about, Arsenal, Man United and Man City, have all lost and Chelsea have won. So it's it's interesting how football works. In one week, it's changed massively. But I think Chelsea will be back in form. You know, these players are, are too good to, to be having a bad spell. They've had five, five games of playing pretty poorly. So now I think it's time for them to start rocking. It's worth also saying that there's a reason that you play a league and you don't just play one game and then finish the season. Yeah. 
Although that would be amazing <laughs> if every week we did just <laughs> what, especially do give out small prizes every week. But it's kind of it's well, I'll tell like you what, Leicester would be winning it week in, week out, wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, like, that would be amazing. Amazing. Um, amazing. Yeah. Something Amar-ism. like that. <laughs> but <laughs> how are your fantasy teams doing, eh? Yeah. Uh, Lawrence, stop talking about this. <laughs> what, um, so as we saw there, Chelsea have won. Every other English club have lost. Dave was alluding to it there. He's sort of talking about it briefly. But Lawrence, coming to you, what does this, what does this mean for English football? I know that's a massive question, and I think Dave touched on it well there by talking about sort of a tactical naivety, almost a tactical ineptitude compared to other teams in Europe, of, other of leagues. Mourinho, Wenger, and. <laughs> Van Gaal, Pellegrini, these massively experienced. But there is whereabouts is that tactical naivety that you want to talk to me about again? But this is, uh, is a very good stat, and I know we've talked about how you know stats can be twisted or sort of used to prove any point tonight already. Like but up to yeah. in, the, in the immediate aftermath of those games of the game tonight, up to pointing out that uh, defeats by English Champions League teams in the opening group games. Every year it's gone up by one. So, you know, 2005 to 2011, zero. They never lost the opening game. 2012, one. 2013, one. 2014, two. 2015, three. So there is an obvious trend there. And I think, you know, people have been arguing for a long time now that English football in Europe is declining. We've not been performing in Europe when you see the Spanish teams winning Europa League, winning the Champions League every year. There is a definite trend of English teams not competing towards the final four, the final two of these sort of competitions. Yeah, I see what you mean. I mean, there is, it, early on, we also have to acknowledge that there is somewhat of a big head there um, to be taken by a lot of teams. A lot of people do want to beat the English clubs because they see it as the most moneyed league. I think in the rest of Europe, they're not always portrayed as the nice guys. Um, and that doesn't, I think, help when English people and it, the English fans re- uh, go to other countries. Um I also think it's interesting how people have been talking about just the competition within the league and how that maybe is making some sides suffer. I mean, mm. there must be a mental aspect to this for the players. Um, and you do want, I mean, now it, it, we wonder the game that gets faster, the game is getting, you know, I mean, we see the game getting faster just the other night in the Champions League with what happened with Luke Shaw. There are some people there who are saying thing, and I'd imagine they're similar people who are saying, um, oh, there's not enough old-style tackles in the game anymore. And then the second attacker like that is being made, they're going, well, I mean, we cannot be having actions like that in the game. And it's people <laughs> who kind of lament the old, but, you know, can't see what's happening in the new. And, I, I, you know, it's not as if we have managers in the league who are so tactically inept that they can't make a team work in the Champions mm. League. There are, there are intricacies to this that I think will probably play out. And I think over time, we'll probably see... Uh, the, the the teams will rise again. It's just that it's at one point they're at the top. Do you, uh, Dave, there does seem to be this general trend that you know over here we always say oh, the, the joke is that the Premier League is the best league in the world, and that does seem to be a sort of common perception worldwide and arguable perception, admittedly. But there is this idea that the Premier League is perhaps the strongest throughout. You know, we're looking at over the summer. I'm not, transfer- I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. That that no, it, no. that would be unfair to to portray. That. That's what I'm saying because. It, it is the mistake that we make that we automatically think, well, they'll beat an Israeli side or they'll beat a side. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it, there is definitely, although the league itself is getting stronger throughout, you know, we're seeing like um, a different quality sort of player going to what would 
historically be mid-table or lower-table teams. I mean, look at the strength of Palace this season, Stoke, Swansea. But the top teams, the Chelsea's, the Cities, the United's and Arsenal, seem to be getting weaker, Dave. They don't seem to be able to compete with the cream of the crop with other European leagues. I think it's, it's an interesting point. I think tactically, yeah, I think that is an issue that the you know the, the classic Man United teams that we saw it, that did well in Europe played one style in the Premier League and then they played another style in Europe. I think that's something that the teams aren't doing at the moment. They, you know, Man City think that they can play the same in, in the Premier League and, and roll over teams and play the same in Europe. Chelsea's a little bit different because they play a different sort of style. They do play a counter-attacking style in the Premier League and they play that in the Champions League. Um, you know, but it's just interesting that, for example, Man City's the prime example of that is that they think they could just play the same way in the league and in the champ and, and blow people away that are top quality players. Rio Ferdinand alluded to a quite a good point yesterday on BT Sports saying, it if you look at the real, the real elite players, they aren't, in, they aren't really in the Premier League in a way. You know, you think the real elite, the Ronaldo's, the Messi, the Neymar, the Suarez, um, you know, Thomas Muller, uh, Lewandowski, uh, you know, the real creme de la creme, we're sort of missing out a bit in that in the Premier League. You know, you talk of Eden Hazard, who's had a poor start to the season. You know, Sergio Aguero is brilliant on his day, but he's, you know, how, how, much, how many matches have we missed in the last two years through being injured? So I, yeah, I think it's to do with maybe we are getting sold in a way some dud players, uh, but, you know, it's just I think we, we lack some quality for some teams. For example, Man United definitely lack that. That killer player. Yep. Yeah, but they, they, they do, do not lack. They do not lack enough quality to be able to beat these other sides that they're going. Oh, up that's with. that's so true. I, you know, that's I completely true. Saying, but then you'd also argue that in the previous uh, round, Van Gaal played a great piece of tactics out there. So what I'd imagine is that there's somewhat of a tactical trend within Europe, and there's very. I mean, you know, we all know that managers go to conferences. We all know that managers will look at other sides. We all know they'll spend very long amounts of time talking to each other, developing theories, etc., etc. And just a couple of years ago, it was very popular to have a one nil. Mourinho, Rafa Benitez, um, even Sir Alex Ferguson. But then was, that, was I think that's what one. I mean with the different style. Is the one nil is is the way you play in Europe? Mm. I think that's perfect, Lawrence. You've, you know, you've kind of summed up that those managers played for the one nil. But, but that is that is what I'm saying here, Dave. Is that things are moving forward, and I understand that there's change, but it also mean there's change for the players as well. And partly, what I'm a little, little bit worried about is that a lot of people at the moment are talking about philosophy. Maybe I won't make this point as clearly as I'd like to make it. But what I'm what I mean when I talk about philosophy is, and I'd imagine there are a lot of people who want to talk about philosophy. That, <laughs> that you know, uh, just a few years ago, we didn't hear about managers saying. This, I mean, not necessarily. They didn't necessarily say in such an overt way, this is my philosophy. They had ideas and they had things they wanted to do, but there was a different air, if you like, to the way that the Premier League had its players, had its managers. And what I'm wondering is the running of clubs and the day-to-day goings-on as teams like Chelsea and teams like uh, Man City have more and more sway within the league and other clubs such as Liverpool are going to be looking at players being attracted like Sterling to other clubs. They think, well, what don't we have that maybe a Man City or a Chelsea have? What do don't we have that those guys do? To At the risk of massively oversimplifying everything, physicality is a massive part of the Premier League, obviously. It's something that everyone harps on about, how you know, it's the most physical league, it's very tough. We're talking about very quick, but we do seem to prize physicality above skill in the Premier League in England when you when that comes to Europe it, it doesn't work so I mean we're talking about Man City they've got players like Toure uh, Bonnie you know Kolarov they're strong players but when you yeah, come they to came Europe, up against they came up against um, they came up against Pogba yeah, they come up against a Vidal 
they come up against other players who are strong. Well, Ronaldo, Ronaldo is very strong. But we're, what, what, what I was going to get to is we're sort of saying like there's players that we've sort of, the Premier League, who haven't succeeded in Premier League. I'm thinking Soldado this summer, uh, Tottenham player. We're talking about Angel Di Maria, um, Andre Scherler who left not too long ago, Juan Cuadrado who left Chelsea. These players, for whatever reason, couldn't quite cut it in the Premier League. They couldn't handle the physicality of something that's been levelled at those sort of players. As soon as they leave, they seem to, to flourish elsewhere. What I'm trying to say is the Premier League style, I think, although that works in England, it obviously doesn't seem to work against those top European teams. Maybe they're a bit more sophisticated. Well, I don't know if it's down to sophistication or if it's down to just, just uh, culture, maybe. But then there are some players that also flourish in the Premier League. Gatinho's flourished in the Premier League. Um, you know, uh, Memphis may well flourish. Martial scored a wonderful goal against Liverpool. Granted, it was taking advantage of some terrible uh, defending. Whoa, whoa, Lawrence, but mate. That was a wonder goal. It, it, it was a wonder goal, Dave. But <laughs> at the same time, maybe maybe Dave's joke reaction there is part of the problem, is that when, oh, when we say... Well, he didn't, say, he didn't oh, quite do Skirtle and got a little bit lucky when he went through. He, he, did, he did Skirtle like a... He butted him like I a think, kipper, mate. Yeah, I think what... It's kind of a mix of it is a mix of these factors though in terms of there is the Premier League does have that physicality but also as Dave was sort of alluding to City and perhaps the other English teams are they're not able to adapt they're not able to they're not they're not able to find another way of playing whereas perhaps Juventus can they've you know they can switch up systems or play back threes play back fours whereas English teams don't see, seem to be able to do that in Europe and maybe in the league. I think there are other problems for a lot of these top sides at the moment as well. Um, I, I also think that the media and the analysis doesn't do a lot of people much um, justice, right? You know, what, what I do wonder is the amount that managers have to deal with the press and those things on day to day and all these extra things that are now being thrown in with clubs mm. culturally, whether it will... I'm, I'm, what I'm just wondering is whether it, it changes the overall nature of the way that a club goes. And I think... Hello. We, hi, Dave. Hello. Dave dropped out there. Hello, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Should we just continue as if Dave was normally naturally here? Yeah, go on. Sorry, carry on. What, you're doing. I, what, I'm, what I'm saying, and, and this is only me, I guess it's actually pulling at strings. I think you're right in what you're putting forward, but I'm wondering what it is that needs to be changed or if there is anything which needs to be changed or if it is just Hello, a, sorry about that. I don't know what happened there. Great to have you back, Dave. Uh, what I'm saying is, though, Adam, that it, it is, is it, I don't know, is it a, like, you know, when, when it's at the very top, then people say, well, it's a life cycle. And then we get to the very bottom, then they go, ooh, what's wrong? What's changed? Because you expect you to always be at the top of the cycle. But yeah, it's, it's, it does seem like we're at the, the bottom of the cycle in some ways and everyone's sort of, Look, especially tonight. Yeah. Of course, but I mean, people are sort of panicking now about the coefficient and perhaps losing a Champions League place. Can't in, say I didn't England. warn you, and then you guys went. Not sure I'm worried about that, mate. Just a few weeks ago. So <laughs> no, I'm not saying I'm not. I'm not worried, but I'm saying people are on, on Twitter when you when three English teams lose in the opening group game. People are starting to worry a little bit there. But um, right, it's yeah. interesting. It is a combination of factors and, like I say, cycles. It's cycles, but hopefully. I love know, cycling. Tonal in the Champions League. Is there any other news that we need to discuss? We're talking about the Champions League there. Luke Shaw? Yeah. Oh, bad. Oh. I mean, bad news from, for him. He's, I mean, Dave, you're, you're probably in a better position to talk about him. He'd have had, he'd had a great, in inverted commas, a great start to the season for Manchester United. They kept a lot yeah. of clean sheets. It looked like he was attacking well. 
and maybe that's the point I was partly making there is you know tackles like that they're they're not part of the game but you know it's, it is really unfortunate isn't it what I would say is that with Shaw after he went off the pitch mm. he tweeted very soon after his leg was like snapped in two surely um, it wasn't him tweeting there Surely it was. Well, uh, that's what I was saying. Is that agent, there, were people, there, there were people tweeting him and they were going, oh, so glad you're all right, mate. And, it, yeah. and someone was tweeting back. He's definitely not tweeting after he's broke his leg in like two places. Exactly. Yeah, lol. Another great day. <laughs> it is. Um, it is it, like Lawrence is saying there, Dave, about the, the great start to the season. It is sad in the way that he, he could now miss Euro 2016 as well. It's, it's massively sad. You know, he was. He has probably been United, one of United's best players this season, you know. He's just been fantastic going forward. He's been fantastic defensively. He's looked like he's got a really good relationship with anyone that plays ahead of him. And it's it's a shame for England and it's a shame for Manchester United that he's probably going to miss the Euros. I was looking at leg break uh, people the number of days before players came back. Um, and I think Eduardo, the Arsenal player that had a horrific injury, he was 292 days until he returned. So it's quite a long time. You know, I think Ramsey was 150, sorry, 250 odd days. So... We're probably looking like Luke will miss the Euros, and it's a massive shame. I do think the tackle was pretty horrendous, very, very, you know, misjudged tackle, mm. very over aggressive, and you know, probably should have been a penalty and should have been a red card. Well, uh, yeah, we should also mention in other news, uh, Testagen getting chipped uh, against Roma. <laughs> yeah. um, he has a bit of a tendency to be off his line. You re- you do read it quite a lot. I mean, if you read anything about Barcelona's tactics, <laughs> and, and you just think, yeah. you know what, someone likes Manuel Neuer, don't they? Apparently, it's the second goal he's been beaten by from 50-plus yards or whatever yeah. this, this season. Yeah. It's kind of part of the game, though, isn't it, really? You know, if, if he is this good on the ball and he's this good at sweeping, you expect him to get lobbed a few times. The really? Banat one in the Super Cup was a brilliant goal, and then that Florenzi goal was absolutely awesome. You know, fair play. If these players can pull off, fair play to them. But I feel a bit sorry for Ted Stegen if he's going to take a bit of splat for that. Yeah, I suppose he's taking his chances, really, isn't he? He's gambled, um, mate. Yeah, he has gambled. And then I suppose there's also Brendan Rodgers uh, switching it up completely in the Champions League, dropping a number of starting players, bringing in younger guys and the likes in, of Rossiter possibly going to get start. In the Europa, yeah. Wishful thinking there, Champions League. Sorry, so, sorry, sorry, Lawrence. <laughs> uh, so, what, uh, um, yeah, I'm just judging next season, guys. Uh, you, you've got to watch out for Bordeaux, though. They were very, very... I watched PSG, PSG Bordeaux uh, this weekend and Bordeaux actually came away with a two-all draw. They were very, very good tactically. Willie Sagnol's their manager, so I'd watch out for them, Sagnol Lawrence. Is, Sagnol's a good manager. Um, I, I'm, I wasn't thinking... I don't think of them as anything light, but it's another... Uh, just before we move on, it's another tick for Brendan Rodgers uh, or a cross, whatever you want to put it. Get a lot of people Stick. in Liverpool... A lot of people um, putting it down as dead man walking, which is interesting. Um, but a lot of it's another tick in the Brendan Rodgers box. If he manages to balance his squad, it's a mm. cross against if he doesn't manage to. And this does yes. seem to be quite an open, can I balance my squad because I've dropped six players. Um, I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. 
Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. And Torre probably starting at the back. So. Yeah, he's he's sort of come out to defend his team selection and say, oh, I'm not disrespecting the Europa League. But he say could well be another stick to beat him with if, uh, if things don't go to plan. There was a lot of rumours on Twitter that he was going to get the sack imminently. Um, um, which didn't I mean, seem I, to didn't seem to upset a lot of Liverpool fans. They seemed quite happy with that. Well, well, yeah. There's a lot of Liverpool fans who probably would be happy because they believe the other option is Jurgen Klopp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then it's also that maybe what we do have to acknowledge here. There was something that I think it was Footy Writer um, was on YouTube. He had a real rant. It wasn't really very elegant, if I'm straight up. Uh, <laughs> And he sort of went down the route of, I'm saying it as it is. I I would say that to him. You know, I I don't have a problem with saying to someone, you know, I I don't, you know, it it, it took 20 minutes. What could have taken five? Um, And what I'm saying, what he said was, and I thought it was a very good point, was there are people out there who tweet things and then when they're wrong, they delete it. And that's part of the Twitter um, journalism is that people will start rumours and then if they don't catch, then they'll just delete the tweet. And it does make it hard to judge what is sort of legitimate and what isn't. And it, I guess it's quite a frustrating, confusing environment for some people to be in. So. Yeah, no, I agree. I've, I don't like to do that. I like to keep everything that I've said, bad or good, keep it there. Let mm. people slate you. Shall we elegantly transition to the questions there? <laughs> I am the whole... Okay, let's move yeah. on to the questions. Yeah. Brilliantly, the first question is from The Hole on Twitter. <laughs> at the Sten, at the Sten 69. I hope he is called The Hole because of us. Please tell us if that is the case. But he's asked a couple of questions. Um, but I think this question is um, interesting in the, in the uh, in context of what we've been talking about in Champions League. He asks, what are the chances of an English club winning the Europa League this season? I'd say... Very slim. Yes. Yeah. Although the fact Sevilla aren't in there is great, isn't it? Yeah. They could drop I mean, down into that. Yeah. Couldn't they come second in that group and then they'll <laughs> maybe win right. it again? Yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah, that is part of the problem for them, isn't it? Um, the next question is from uh, Louie Morad. He says, um, if I guess after these performances from EPL teams, the chances of retaining all the spots have become bleak. What we're talking about in the coefficient there. Mm. Is there actually a real danger of us losing the the fourth spot is that how it works is it based on it's down to European performances yeah but I, I don't think it's I mean it's obviously not one round but it's sort of it is down to European performances yeah I think Italy is the one that's coming up really coming up behind us obviously they did very very well in the Europa League and had a Champions League finalist last season but we've just got to sort of compete with them we, like, going back to the question before we need to compete more in the Europa League I think that's where we're losing a lot of coefficient points you know the teams like Liverpool have got Pretty good quality for that sort of trophy. Need to need to go on, but I think the problem with that is that everyone's focused on getting into the Champions League in, in the Premier League. So it's it's one of those things where I think one of these Premier League teams should gamble, put everything in the Europa League, like rest your team in the Champions mm. League. Sorry, in the Premier League in the, last, in the latter sort of months of the season and just go for the Europa League. You win that, you're in the Champions League. It's it's simple now. It's yeah, a simple but game. Can I also can I also ask um, what do you think of um, coefficients in general and how they work but a bigger question there would be a few years ago obviously the Premier League broke away necessarily from the Football League 
and made its own Premier League. Um, what do you think about almost relinking the Premier League and every other top league in Europe with their national sides coefficient? If you had a coefficient which was linked with your national side, then you would possibly have the chances of people working better to uh, develop young talent because Ooh. it would be within their interest to have uh, good young English, Scottish, Welsh, blah, blah, blah players. It Ooh. sounds great, but it will never happen. No, because it means people get less money. But it, it's all about money. What, I, what I'm saying is there's something there to sort of, what if you were to try to link those two because it would mean a lot of benefits for certain mm. sets of people who most people complaining are underserved right now. A oh, very, very interesting point. I think that obviously the current FIFA rankings are crazy. The coefficient is all right, does a job at the moment, but linking them both, that could be very interesting. Uh, uh, an, uh, a wider coefficient. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, back to the questions. <laughs> Platini, if no you're listening, mate. Platini, if you're listening, mate. Listen yeah. to Lawrence McKenna. He's got I am the whole. I, just, if you I listen, am the whole. <laughs> put it, put it, put it, hashtag, I am the whole. When he makes his nomination, uh, when he's, you know, he's up on stage at FIFA. I am the whole. Um, <laughs> the student guitarist has asked on Twitter, what is your favourite alcoholic drink? Dave, yeah. let, me, let me come to you first because I'm intrigued. Mine? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. This is, that is a, such a tough question. I really like a gin and tonic. Yes. Wow. If I've got a bit of a hangover, a Guinness is absolutely perfect. But I do like a, I like an IPA, I like an APA, I like an ale, but I also like a lager. So I just like it all. But I'd say probably gin and tonic is the pinnacle. Um, Adam, what about you? Or, um, you know, something very exotic. I don't mind the, uh, the old mojito, like mojito there. Yeah. yeah, I knew you'd like a mojito. Sugary. It's nice and sugary, isn't it? You can't go wrong. Um, yeah. But, you know, standard and it's lager. Usually lager. Maybe I mean, some mimosas with breakfast? Uh, never, but I mean, yeah. there's a first time. You and the girls, there. out for the weekend. <laughs> the ladies. Hey. What about uh, you, Lawrence? What is your uh, drink of choice? I like... Um, quite a few. T- <laughs> it's going to sound like I'm an alcoholic. Um, I, like, <laughs> I like a lot. Of I drink. like vodka. I like vodka and apple. It tastes like apple pie. I like um, <laughs> gin and tonic, a bit like Dave. Um, I had um, a mimosa just the other day with breakfast on the weekend with my girlfriend. My girlfriend introduced me to pineapple and Hennessy. Is a great combination. Oh yeah, that's a good one, isn't yeah, it? it? Sounds ratchet, but it's good. Um, What's that mean, ratchet? What's that? Uh, ratchet. It's like a. It sounds a little bit. Uh, um, how can I describe this without saying discrimination? It sounds a little God. bit. It sounds a little <laughs> bit. It, it's like it sounds a little bit like it's the kind of people that you don't want to. You know, ratchet is like people who are real. Wow, you're really struggling. <laughs> they're real, but in like a they're really in a way where you sort of think that's a little bit too real. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. that's you're doing. Yeah, you know, no, you've definitely explained that really well. It tends to me. It tends to mean that you're operating somewhat on a budget, but then Hennessy and pineapple <laughs> is not on a budget. So um, <laughs> I'm literally more. I'm more confused now than uh, when you started. Do you, do you want me to let me let me that's just right, I'll go in the dictionary or something. Urban dictionary. Ratchet urban dictionary. In other words, a ratchet person is the most is non-classy it? human being in presence. Right. Okay. There you go. That's good. That is um, good. So you've learned a new word there, kids. Excellent. Um, and, someone and maybe, who's just maybe I like a bit of bubbles. So someone, I'll, I'll, go, I'll just go champagne breakfast. Someone who's not ratchet yeah. is Jeremy AFC. Go on, Jeremy. Am I right? At Gazola Assist. Another great question. This is a very good question. Just to see Dave and Lawrence's reaction 
Xabi Alonso or Sergio Busquets? Oh my That's shit! Easy. Sophie's choice, but worse. No, it, it isn't. Uh, Sophie would, and if, if Sophie did have to choose, she would choose Xabi Alonso. So. Ooh. No, mate, come on. You've got to teach her properly, bud. Do I? Uh, oh, here, here we go. Here's, so, like, in, in many ways, I get the casting vote because, yeah. you know, I'm in the middle. So, why don't you each give me like a 10, 15 second spiel on why one is better than Is the other, this game of two halves? Uh, you know, I mean, it's a great format. Okay. You know, it can be as flexible. It can, and you, you technically you invented it. So, in, you can in many ways, you want, Adam. Um, do you want Let's, me to do the first 15 or do you want me to do 15 seconds? 15? Go. Um, wait, wait a minute. I need to get my timer up. In three, two, one, go. Xabi Alonso plays excellently for a number of sides. Liverpool, Bayern, Munich, Real Madrid. And within those sides, he's managed to play a variable role. However, he was never really properly utilised by Liverpool, apart from one season when he was absolutely the pinnacle of it. Even before that, when he was in Spain, he was known Dave. as the Don. Boom, battle, chap. Yeah, Busquets is an absolute legend. He took Yaya Torre's starting berth at Barcelona, went on to win three Champions Leagues. The guy's a maestro. He holds it together. He's the glue for Messi and Xavi's and Iniesta's pie. It's just perfect stuff. The guy is an absolute machine. <laughs> Bollocks. <laughs> now, I got that from the true, true Geordie, that sort of style. Compelling Very arguments. You both Shout make compelling arguments. But I feel like... That, that was better than any game of two halves has ever been. What I enjoy... <laughs> I think, for me, the mixed metaphors of Dave's argument won it. He was talking about <laughs> gluing pies together... It just edged it for me. So I've got to go with Dave. I think Sergio Busquets. <laughs> I'm unlucky, pal. That, I, I would argue that I feel like I've let Xabi Alonso down there mm, because in many ways. he is just the better player. I should have, <laughs> I should have mentioned Silent Influence, but mm. I, know, I guess it doesn't, it doesn't shout. Vavavum, Adam, it doesn't shout. It whispers. Next question. Um, <laughs> Zidane. Actually, it's just a sentence, but I like it anyway. Zidane managed to win the Ballon d'Or without even scoring 10 goals. Now it's only based on the goals you score. He makes a great point. Thoughts? Yeah. I, I would the Ballon d'Or has become a, a golden boot style trophy, has it not? Uh, I, do, I just think that these no. modern players are that much better. I just think they really are. I think we're seeing a new breed of player and that player is just ridiculous. Do you and think of Zidane? Score, what, Dave? It can create. Can do every, like, like, you know, you think of Zidane as his touch is, is, the, you know, is, is it. That sort of like is sort of what Zidane is. His touch is phenomenal. Bring the ball down anywhere. You know, score volleys. Do this. Do that. Then just think of Lionel Messi. Like anything that Zidane do, can do. You know, think of the Champions League final volley. You, Messi could have done that. Yeah, but the question is, I understand that it's just a very different kind of got. It's a different kind of feeling with Zidane, though, isn't it? To the Messi feeling and the Ronaldo feeling. Zidane was very much that kind of effortless-looking player. He was the player who. Also ran things from a little bit deeper than both Ronaldo and Messi. I understand Messi drops back, but Zidane really is much deeper than those two. Mm. He was part of a different kind of unit. He was part of a different kind of a different time of football almost. Mm. It was before, um, yeah, just before, Pep Guardiola had his style of football brought in. Um, and Tiki Taka became the thing again for Barcelona and everyone else. And it was a totally different philosophy. Um, so I, I see what you're saying, though. It, it really, it, when we think back to that, it does seem like a very different time of football, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? Yeah. So it's really, it's just, I'd love to, like, obviously, Zidane was a player that came through when, you know, it was a little bit too young to sort of really appreciate him as a, as a player. You know, uh, there wasn't as much sort of European football on the telly. We didn't get to embrace him as much as we do with the likes of Ronaldo, the likes of Messi, you know, the likes of Sergio Busquets. But 
just you know, maybe one day we should go back and we should watch Zidane for the day. The front three, we'll we'll get some get some hey, beers in done, and we'll watch Zidane. Have you seen the documentary? Zidane. Yeah, no, it is good. It is good. Let's all watch that and have a few. Uh, Lawrence, will, Lawrence will be having a what is it, Hennessy and whatever. I'll, I'll have a ratchet, drink my ratchet Hennessy and pineapple. He'll be having his G and T's, Dave. I'll be having my yeah. old tomatoes. Next question, guys. That, that's a that's a YouTube format, by the way. Just us Ooh, watching documentaries. <laughs> I'm reacting to it. I'll steal that for the for the channel. Um, <laughs> speaking of players from another era, uh, Finbar Finbar McMahon says, "Do you think old players like George Best?" George Best, Bobby Charlton, Cliff Bastin and Bobby Moore could play in the modern game. If so, how do you think they would do? Would they flop? Would they excel? Or would they just be average players? I think they'd, they'd excel. I think, I think the, the mind of a football, footballing great as those players that they've just mentioned would. They could just do any, any era. You know, the, the, if you think about the sort of stamina and the fitness of, of those players was, you know, exceptional. But if they had the modern day coach, you know, if they tactically we're a little bit more astute now you know they'd still have those skills I think these players would just be absolutely perfect for this modern day you know players like uh, Georgie Best I reckon his career would be a little bit longer than he was obviously Georgie Best left Man United at the age of I think it was 24 um, you know his career is going to be elongated massively he might even reach even higher peaks than he did so it's, it's a very interesting question but I think they would yeah 100% they'd just be as good as they were mm. back then do you think they'd not struggle mm, kind with of the, you know, would they not struggle with the speed of the game? That's what everyone always says. I think that it's, it's the mind with, with when you get to that level of mind. greatness, it's the mind that's the quick bit. And I don't think that you can, you can't really, you can't teach that. And mm. I don't think that would go if the game were quicker, their mind would just speed up. Yeah. If they were playing today, they'd be fitter. But it's the mind. There, I mean, there are also examples the other way, although, uh, you know, Socrates smoked, let's put it that way. Um, and then not not the philosopher, the footballer. Um, and then uh, you also you also say there's players like Wayne Rooney gets castigated every season for coming back overweight. Um, there's people like um, Ben Arthur, um, and then there's other people yeah, who have failed drugs tests. And there are definitely drugs testing problems within that list of players. <laughs> wow, there we go. <laughs> Um, I'm not going to say who, though. I like so. this one from uh, Arteta Assist. It's a, it's a simple yes or no. Do you think Arsenal will win the Premier League or Champions League under Arsene Wenger? I will say no. They won't win it before he leaves the club. I will say I, no as well. I would say yes if he stays for another three years. Nah. But I that's the question. Will he stay for another three years? I think it'll take that no, long to I don't get think, no. the Emirates money back and so forth. Yeah, D D Dave's point is right, but I think both of us are making our prediction that he will not stay for three years. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd, I would argue go, no if he's not going to be there. Even if he did, stay I'd for love three it if years, he did. They won't do it. They won't win even if he stays for three years. They won't. Really win. interesting thing about Wenger. Um, I was watching a old um, Monday Night Football as you do, um, and it, it was Gary yeah. Neville um, talking with Omri about <laughs> Arsenal signings. And you look from 2004, and they literally haven't bought a hard man since then. They've not bought a man that will come in and be exactly. like exactly. Let's go in and mess them up. And it's crazy. You look at the list like Reyes, uh, Riziki, Nazari. There's so many creative attacking players, but there's no like nutcase. They need to buy a nutcase. Um, <laughs> uh, well, they did they did they think that was Frimpong for a while? Um, I don't you know, know what Frimpong he, was. He, he, to be he's fair, he's a, very, he's a very classic player. What about, um, th th to be fair, also, when Arsenal were at their most beautiful they were also one of the most brutal sides to play yes now they are much less brutal if you look at their their card count they are 
they were they were back in the day a pretty brutal side. And I'm, I yeah. mean, all you have to do is remember that image of Keown striking his arm against the back of um, Van Nistelrooy's head, and you just think, what the hell would happen if that was? No. That was that's a classic. <laughs> that is an all-time classic. Um, uh, next question comes from Tom, who asks, "Can a player ever fully come back mentally from a double leg break such as Luke Shaw's?" Uh, what was Aaron Ramsey's leg break? Was that a double? Just a single? Yeah, that was a double as well. That's what Case I sort of alluded to before. It's it's a long time. It's two hundred and fifty odd days out, which you know, pretty much half a year, three quarters of a year. Uh, I think Ramsey probably took what three years since that injury to get back to like the that was I think since his leg break it took three years for him to get to that. Remember that goal scoring season where he scored what was it ten fifteen goals in the in the league where it was pretty awesome. It took that long, so I just hope that doesn't happen yeah. with Luke Shaw, but it could be a big he, one. He, he does have time on his side, though, Luke Shaw. I know it's obviously a horrible thing to have happened to him, and you know, wish him a speedy recovery, but. Almost on the plus side, he does have time to recover from this and regain his form and sort of become a staple in the Man United and England teams. So, fingers he's, crossed. He's with the best, mm. um, but you also you also sort of think of Dribble Cisse as well. Yeah, true. Um, which two top? Josh Barton asks, which two teams from any era would you like to see match up against each other? Ooh, that's a tough old question maybe like you know like the greatest attack of all time maybe this front three Messi Neymar Suarez against like one of the greatest defences of all time those are AC Milan sides we always talk about interesting yeah that might be quite, that might be quite an interesting battle um, that would be yeah let's do that I'd also like or, to see uh, Liverpool of 89 against uh, Barcelona of now mm. they get ripped apart <laughs> um <laughs> Would be I'd like to see someone. For, I'd like to see the Busby Babes against um, Sir Alex Ferguson's Manchester United. Well, that'd be nice. I'd yeah. quite like to see like two really high pressing teams, like the um, Sachi's Milan versus Klopp's Dortmund. That'd be fun. That'd be a barrel of laughs. I'd so. like to see um, the Brazil side of nineteen seventy <laughs> against uh, the Brazil side of nineteen ninety. Oh uh, no! What year did they last win the World Cup? Was it A? You know that was was it? No, it wasn't. That was a, France. Was it? France won it back. Twenty-two. Year. Sorry, twenty-two. Two thousand two. Yeah. Um, I'd also maybe I'd also you know what I would like to see is the founding year of any club against the 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 uh, the, the team of today. So Liverpool were formed in eighteen ninety-two with the team of all the Max. I'd love to see them play now against the Liverpool team now. <laughs> I like it. Carnage. Um, Piotr Gala yeah. on Twitter at Peter the Polish said, Do you think Florenzi's goal will win the Puskas Award? Um, are there any other notable contenders this season? Maybe Lawrence will say Benteke. Maybe Dave will say Anthony Martial. <laughs> um, Florenzi is, that is, uh, I mean, it's an obvious uh, contender. Bit early to say whether it's going to win, but it's going to be. No, it'll be in be that final three, goals. won't it? It'll be in that final three, probably. What, Martial? No, 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 no. God, no. <laughs> Forenzi's from you know uh, just over yeah. the halfway line tonight. Um, will it? No. Yeah, God. Yeah, I, th- I think it might sneak in there. No, I think there are better. There will be better. Did it, uh, we're just starting out, guys? Come who on. scored? Well, who scored the better goal uh, at the weekend? Was it Christian Benteke or Anthony Martial? 
Oh, Martial. If you listen to uh, Martin Tyler, you'd probably think it was Anthony Martial. Did you see his uh, reaction? You think he had money on it. Yeah, in many ways. <laughs> his reaction was quality. I absolutely loved it. It was, Anthony Martial's goal was good, right? Yeah. It was very good. But overreaction, Dave? No, it was a lovely goal. It was when Liverpool were just getting back in the game as well. I got well nervous. They just Adam, scored that the yeah. first goal. Benteke no, scored. Obviously, it was a very good goal, but what I'm saying is people went crazy as if this was proof that it was 100% money well spent. Here's the next Thierry Henry. Whoa, it's proof, isn't it, Adam? Um, no. It's proof, the proof's in the pudding. He scored a goal. The same fans were sort of slagging him off after his performance against PFE. Uh, PSV, so. <laughs> 38 million for one goal, isn't it? Is that what you pay this, in this yes. modern day? These days it does seem like it, it does cost that much. Um, Ruben, Ruben Swifty on Twitter says, should Champions League teams be interested in Mares? Apparently Barcelona yes. are interested in him. Mm, apparently Barcelona are interested in everyone nowadays, though, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, that's interested that's in, um, they're also interested in, uh, they're interested in Coutinho, apparently. So there's the Ruben Mill. Ooh. Coutinho. Transfers, I yeah. I'd, I would say yes, hundred percent. Yeah, they should, um, yes, didn't, seen possibly him because he's not Mares, In terms of like a game, and he was just something else. He really, he was poor, very poor in the first half, and the second half he just came alive. You know, pretty much was in. He created two of the goals and was involved in the other goal. He's completed twenty-two take-ons in the Premier League this season, more than any other player. He's been directly involved in six goals more than any other player. I just think he's really, really in form and he's looking very, very good. Very creative. I'd mm. quite like to see him at Man United, to be quite honest, because we look so boring. I bet at you would. He'd have, had a bit of spark. I bet you would. Um, Liam, at Liam DoD on Twitter says, is Wenger more to blame than Arsenal for fielding a team full of second C string players? Even if it's Zagreb, they're still a Champions League team. Good point. Um, so should he be taking and criticism for fielding uh, what some would call a second string? A little bit unfair on some of those players, but um, I mean, obviously, obviously, he fielded the side. He has to take some element of responsibility for it. But there's probably uh, you can probably weight it more. It's just that people very often focus on certain things and put them it's not under the spotlight. A bad team, though. Do you know what I mean, no, Ospina, Kazola, Arteta, they still had. Sanchez, Ozil, Oxlade, Chamberlain, and Giroud is that front four? I mean, it was a pretty, it was a pretty good team. Do you know, like it, it wasn't really striking. They had Ozil with him there and Sanchez. That's a hundred million of <laughs> in, in, by itself. So no, it's not a second string at all. <laughs> Well, there you go. Um, he has to take some responsibility for, uh, and this is this is the point that most people make: feeling that combination of players. Mm. That's okay. the difference. Um, Dason Adamson, Dason, at Dason1996 on Twitter says, if Louis van Gaal doesn't win any trophies this season, should he get sacked, Dave? I think he might fall out. He might go before then. Well, not before then, but I think this might be, this is the last year of his contract, right? Yeah. I think this is just the, the perfect time for him to maybe move on, you know. I just, I don't think it's a, it's not really a long term appointment. It's a very short term appointment. But is that where Man United are going? I think he's tried a lot. Um, he's been very poor in the transfer market. Whether it's been his choices or Ed Woodward's choices, is a bit too. He looks a bit too. It seems like he, he was the most tactical, flexible manager in the world before he joined Man United, and now he looks like one of the most you know rigid. And I'm sticking to this formation, I, and that's it. So, I, I think so is that is that down to the fact that they're not that the players aren't executing. 
No, I think that, you, you know, you can't, after two years of being this um, in this philosophy, I've, I've read quite a bit about um, to his sort of philosophy behind his philosophy in a way, which is the positional player. I can't remember what it's called, but it's it's used in Germany, used in Holland, and it's used in Spain. But I think the problem that comes to when you play this this type of football, that you're segmenting the pitch into certain um, certain lanes in a way that sometimes the fluidity goes. And if you're not if your team isn't moving enough where, you know, it's sort of like you have two players in a certain lane and there's only could be two players in this lane and then, you know, no one else can get in that lane. You know, if there's not enough movement and interchanging of these two players to another lane and so forth, you can create this sort of boring football style that we're sort of seeing at Man United where you are being too rigid, you are caring about possession too much. And I think that's what we're kind of seeing at the moment. So maybe we do need a bit more, we need some new life, some new blood into the side no in terms of management. I think it was um, ridiculous when United were playing Liverpool, that they had Fellaini as their striker. I thought that was laughable. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've got players like Memphis Depay that could play through the middle. You've got players like James <sighs> Wilson that's, that's still at the club. You've got Martial who paid loads of money for. It's just poor, for my opinion. Just, yeah, for a, a team that's supposed to be one of the best in England, I don't think you'd ever see the likes of, I don't know, Bayern Munich or Atletico Madrid or... I just thought it was crazy. But Good point. Anyway, anyway <laughs> moving on. Um... On a similar topic, Ollie Wright says, Dave, um, yep. despite the criticism, Man United did look bitter, uh, better until 80 minutes versus PSV. Do you agree? They deserve to win. I think they looked really, they looked quite good until Maron Fellaini came on and then it went back to the whole like chuck the ball yeah. into the box um, sort of attitude. You know, if you look at the chances that we created, we created quite a lot. You know, we didn't take them. You know, the chance that one matter um, sort of, you know, didn't get right that when, it, when uh, Schweinsteig clipped the ball over to him, you know, um, Mata played Memphis through on two occasions that he got a shot on goal or a cross. Um, Chris Smalling had that chance. There were lots of chances, but we just didn't get, quite get it right. And PSV sort of just, uh, you know, smashed our weaknesses down our channels, crossed the ball and scored goals. You know, obviously one of them came for a corner, but that was that corner was a result of attacking down one of our flanks. So mm-hmm. it was a good performance, but it was a frustrating performance in that there's structurally there is issues there and they need to be dealt with, such as playing a defensive midfielder, which was, you know, I'd say first. I think this is a, a great question to end on, a great bombshell. Uh, Charles on Twitter asks, I have another question. Yeah. Why are we, Arsenal, so shit? <laughs> just come out of it. I mean, Adam, I think that's, you'd be good to answer that question, Adam. Um, yeah. I think we've, I'm talked biased. About, we've talked about it at length uh, for a while. I don't think Arsenal are shit. I'd say uh, I'm, I'm not particularly... Uh, Down on them? Yeah, do you know what I mean? I mean, like, it is amusing in many ways to see how it is like Groundhog Day of Arsenal. It is the same every year. But I'm sure it's amusing for Arsenal fans to see Spurs <laughs> never win anything and never get in the top four. But it just seems like nothing ever changes. And that is it's frustrating for me to watch because you're always like, oh, Arsenal always seem on the verge of just, you know, you know, running away with the league or at least putting on a real challenge. We were talking about three, four weeks ago about how Arsenal are going to be real title challenges. They've strengthened, you know, uh, their, their goalkeeping position. That's the, the one signing they had to make. And yet we're in the same position like three, four weeks into the season now where everyone's just, mm. oh yeah, they're not title challenges, same old problems, all this sort of stuff. It's just a bit, it's a bit boring, I think. <laughs> but um, yeah. It, it is a little bit boring. That That's partly why I get a bit bored of talking about it because... The analysis never seems to go any further than what's not. Because the, do you not think the off. problems are always the same? It's just a bit like. But the but surely then you, we have to look at, the, like what that problem is and like why it's. Not everyone being knows and everyone talks about it the same every yeah, but, year. Jimmy. But then 
but it seems to come at weird times in the season. I mean, they've still got Sanchez, they've still got Ozil, they've still got Oxley Chamberlain, they've still got Walcott, they've still got Giroud. That's five great players that I've named there who hmm. are still should be scoring great goals and they've created a lot of chances. I mean, it's, it's, uh, there's something there that's, that's it's difficult to see what yeah. it is because you maybe need to be on the inside to be able to assess that. Yeah, all we can do is look from the outside and try and assess it. I can say, like for example, Spurs. Spurs need to sign a striker. Spurs need to sign a defensive midfielder. Those are the two positions we need to sign. I can see the club tried uh, and failed to sign a striker on deadline day. Whether that policy, the way they went about it, was right is arguable. Not right in many ways. But Arsenal, they, they don't even seem to... I mean, does Wenger even... Does he even realise the problems? Does he not? Does he think we just don't need another striker? I think he just believes in the players that he's got, and I think that's that may be an issue that you know. I sort of not not sounding like a bit different, but when I play football manager, sometimes when I have a team for so long, I can't spot the the weaknesses because I sort of see, oh yeah, I've got a really good attacking mid, I've got a really good striker, I've got a really good defensive midfielder, but then like two seasons down the line, and you've still not won the Champions League, you've got to think again: Are these players good enough for, to, for me to win the Champions League? And it's difficult sometimes to admit that, that you you sort of been lying to yourself in a way by you've been believing in these lads can win you the Champions League. Obviously, it's a different uh, kind of it. different example. I'm, I'm playing football manager, Arsene Wenger's playing real football it. manager. But similar thing where you, sometimes you're a bit blinded by your own brilliance. I like that. It's a different perspective of the analysis there. We're talking about the analysis is always the same. Dave comes in, he gives it a football manager spin. Well, it's, not, it's not even football manager. I imagine a lot of managers go through that, that they say, what, what needs to change and what needs to remain the same? And I imagine they also have a lot of people giving them suggestions. And it must be hard not to take those suggestions. Mm. But Dave's right. I mean, what has Arsenal almost overextended about their own team? And to some extent, it's the elegance. And he was right. I think he hit it on the head earlier when he was... It was about balance, really, isn't it? Vieira was elegantly destructive. Yep. And the problem is there's a lot... You know, I mean, to some extent, Dave, Busquets is the same. Yep, he is. I think... um... Gary Neville did, he did hit it on the head a few weeks ago when he did say it's arrogance or naivety and you know Thierry Henry was talking about Wenger just has absolute belief in the players it's, all, it's something in between those three belief arrogance naivety where Wenger just doesn't want to change for whatever reason and he can't because, see because he, he believes it'll work but the problem is there's a very fine line it's been 10 years it working and it hasn't and not quite working. you know yeah, I mean they did win the FA Cup two seasons running right I mean that's, I mean, that, that's something yeah well, I mean, yeah, that, that, it's that not is not a sort true. of trophy. It's not a sort of silverware that's actually going to satisfy the fans, though, really. But then at some point, Adam, I mean, there is also, there's got to be a point where it's not just about silverware. Was it 2005 where they were fielding a team that was completely made of youth players? Yeah. And, see- and, you know, there's great satisfaction there because if, if someone comes along and says, well, who the hell have you got? And you go, well, all our guys came from the, well, from relatively within the academy. I or have you got Chelsea? Yeah. yeah. Fans, fans want to see progress, right? You just want to see some signs of progress. So with Spurs in the last few years, we sort of seem... We have, actually haven't been making progress, but we've been trying something new every time. So for whatever reason, whether that's the right way to go, we sort of sacked Harry Redknapp. We got Andre Villas-Boas in. Didn't quite work. We sacked him. We got um, Tim Sherwood in. That didn't quite work. We sacked him. Got Pochettino in. And it looks like we're trying to build something now. You know, we, we've had a season and a half now trying to build something. And you can sort of see signs of progress, and it's quite promising. With Arsenal... It's the same problems every year, and there's no clear indication of progress. They seem to take one step forward and two steps back. You're talking there, Lawrence, about how they signed Sanchez, they signed Ozil, they signed great players, but it never really amounts to anything. Um, but yeah, it's just 
frustrating for for all involved. Um, <laughs> there you go. I think that's a great place to end episode twenty three, guys. Um, if you want to send any suggestions, questions, uh, comments, tweet us at the front three on Twitter. I pronounced it perfectly. Um, Brilliant. But until next week, Dave, where can the good people find more of your work? I should stop saying that. I need to say, where can the whole find more of your work? Is that what <laughs> no, you've got to say, say the 10. The 10. It's the 10. Oh, right. Where can the 10 find more of your <laughs> the work? The 10 Army. Dave? The 10 yeah, Army can find me on Twitter. It doesn't work. I've just Holy gone over army. the 10,000 followers. Thank you all for every single one of you. Oh, Follow Dave, me. I'm going to give you a yeah. hug when I see we, you. We said it on the, didn't we say it on the podcast and it got you over 10K? I did. You, you lads have done it for me. I just want to thank yeah. everybody. Did you really? But if, there are followers. There are followers, Adam. They are. They are. I'll give you, I'll give you both 25% each. Wow, well, I mean, thanks. if you could put out a little tweet for those guys to follow, that'd be absolutely fantastic. But thanks, Dave. Oh, uh, love yeah, yeah. Um, Lawrence, where is your um, severely less impressive uh, Twitter following? Uh, mine is mine is indeed Adam. Today it hit exactly a quarter of that. Um, <laughs> That's more than B. So twenty five hundred. So, uh, but we all know that numbers mean nothing. Um, no, stats are irrelevant. Yes, yeah, stats are relevant. Uh, Lost class. L O Z C A S. It's lovely to have you. And uh, Adam, you can find me on Twitter at Adam Boltwood or on YouTube, The Football Republic. Um, It's the best channel in the world. What was the state called before it was a republic, Adam? Um, I don't know. I don't know what you Um, you mean. Football Vatican. Okay, I see. Football democracy? The football... Yeah, well, if you're a republic, associ- Adam, you don't you don't have a you don't have a um a king. But I don't want to be associated with like republicans and the the. No, but it's it's okay to be a republican in England because a republican in England is someone who does not want a um well a king or a queen. Long so you were a queen. sovereignty, they're a football sovereignty. Was that what you were called before? I like that. If someone um, wants to make a rival channel, that is not a bad name. The football sovereignty. Anyway, yeah. long live the queen, and uh, we'll see you next week for episode twenty-four. Thanks for listening. See ya. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.